You like the Just Baseball show and want to make your own? Let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never seen before. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and much more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. is Wednesday, June 30th, and I am joined with Arm Layton, the co-founder of JustBaseball.com, and we are giving you the TikTok mailbag, which you can find on our TikTok Q&A button at JustBaseballFans. But before we get into those kinds of questions, Arm, you're a Marlins fan, and we don't really get to hear about a lot of Marlins trades and reactions to Marlins trades. Corey Dickerson was just traded to the Blue Jays, for Joe Panic, give me a reaction and what am I missing in the deal? Uh, so just just get ready because in about two three weeks you're going to see a lot of Marlins trades probably, but we're going to hope that they can tool it out right now and, and put it together because if they don't win over the next couple of weeks, it, it's pretty much been clear they're selling and get ready to see Marte and all these other guys go places. But to answer your question, Corey Dickerson, in my opinion, was just kind of just useless out there to be frank. Uh, and yeah. I, I, the Marlins just called up Jesus Sanchez. And I think that's the biggest story here is I think the trade of Dickerson is a vote of confidence in Jesus Sanchez. So if you have him in fantasy, I, I would hold on to him. If you don't have him, I'd go get him because if you believe in him, nothing is going to stop him from hitting or playing because the only thing was, what are they going to do when Dickerson comes back? They're paying him $8 million. You know, what are they going to do? Cause Sanchez has to be able to play. If not, then what are they going to do with Dickerson? And now that's gone. So I think that's a big vote of confidence in Jesus Sanchez. The only way the Marlins were able to get the Blue Jays to take on Dickerson's contract, which is about $5 million more, was to throw in a submariner, Adam Simber, who actually has been great this year. Uh, he's got like a 2-6 ERA or something like submariners that. Submariners work. Yeah. kind of nasty. Work. They're like for like a year, like Chad yeah. Bradford, Oakland style. But you know what? It, it's working for Adam Simber. And the Blue Jays get a good middle relief arm. The Marlins had a bunch of middle relief arms. That's all they have. They have no closers. It's all middle relievers. So I think it was a good like strength for weakness. Marlins need some infield depth. They make the swap. I think both teams got helped a little bit. Marlins still suck. Blue Jays, they're still sick. Now they got a little bit better in the bullpen. They got a solid bench bat at the very least in Dickerson if once he's healthy, but he's on the shelf for a while. So interesting deal. They got a little prospect in, in thrown in there. I know nothing about too. So that if, if I don't know anything about him, he's probably not great. Okay. Yeah. If you don't know anything about him, then he's really deep in the ranks. <laughs> but first you, you mentioned Jesus Sanchez as the, as the guy who's really up next. And for our fans who may not be as in depth on the Marlins as maybe you are, or I am, 
Give us a little bit of insight into who Jesus Sanchez is and why you're so excited about him. Yeah, definitely. I, I think that's the one guy on the Locked On Prospects show that I get a lot of questions about Marlins related because he just went on a tear in AAA. He's been a guy for a while that's been a top 100 prospect, right? I mean, when he was with the Rays, he was a top 100 guy. He has some of the best exit velos you'll see in the minor leagues. And if you pull up his baseball savant page now, he's hitting ground balls 112 miles an hour. The problem is they're ground balls. He's got yeah. unreal power, but it's all about the launch angle for him uh, and not chasing launch angle, right? We talk about how it's not that important, but it's about attacking the right pitches. He's a guy that like will swing at anything, not in the way that he swings and misses a ton, but in the way that it's like 2-0, fastball a couple inches off the plate and he's trying to crush it and he roll over to second base. So he's gotten better with that. The approach has gotten better. And I think that's what the Marlins were really excited about. But when you talk about his ceiling, his ceiling's 30 plus home runs. It's just, will he be able to get the ball in the air enough to do that? And I think he's slowly getting into that uh, maturation. I think we saw it in AAA. Look at his numbers. Jesus Sanchez's numbers in AAA, they're crazy. Uh, I think he's finally putting it together. I don't know if he reaches that ceiling, but he's definitely worth picking up in your fantasy leagues because if he gets hot, he hits the ball as hard as anybody. And the Marlins, there's no doubt that they know how to develop pitching from Trevor Rogers to Sandy Alcantara to Pablo Lopez, Zach Thompson, Cody Petit. You guys have a real rotation. I'm curious, but you have been, been the best. And I'm saying you as you are now the my representative fault. of the of all of Miami, all it's of all Marlins fans where is the hitting and are we may, are we believing in Jesus Sanchez when there hasn't really been a track record of Miami being able to develop these hitters? We like jazz Chisholm is, is Jesus Sanchez going the jazz Chisholm route or is he maybe going the Lewis Brinson route? So what I'll say is in terms <laughs> you just, he just tilt his head back at Lewis. Brinson. That's that you should have given me a trigger warning for that. Uh, I don't think I don't think he'll ever go the Lewis Brinson route. His swing is too short and and efficient. Um, I could see him being stuck in the middle between those two guys. Jazz, the reason why he panned out, in my opinion, is because he's freaking Jazz. Like he's just yeah. who he is. I don't think the Marlins can take much credit for developing him. You you hit the nail on the head. They're unreal at developing pitchers. I mean, they've taken guys. They really are. Their fourth round pick, Jake Eater, has the best ERA in Double A right now. I mean. They're doing a really good job with arms. They suck with bats right now. <laughs> and I think part of it, though, is who they're going after. They're going after these big swing and miss guys who are tooled out, who have all of this projection, but a lot of risk. And that doesn't always work. And it really hasn't worked for the Marlins. Jazz is the one example of it working. Jesus Sanchez is a little bit of, a, of an exception to that, where he's never been a high-volume strikeout guy. And that gives me confidence. He is a guy that expands the zone, but he is so quick with his bat that he's not a guy that swings and misses a lot. He doesn't get beat with fastballs. He doesn't really chase uh, egregiously out of the zone. And if he does, he somehow gets a piece of it. So I'm more worried about how much of the power he can tap into, but I'm not worried about him being this useless guy like some of the other Marlins prospects have turned into. Uh, But like I said, he's got 30 home run power. You just got to hope that he allows himself to tap into it with the right approach. And we've probably spent too much time on the Marlins, but I am actually genuinely interested in learning more about Jesus Sanchez. Give me a what he could be if he reaches absolute ceiling kind of player, and then give me a player that you just really hope he's better than. <laughs> Bro, Does that make sense? From what I've gotten so far, I just hope he's better than Lewis Brinson. But yeah, which is not saying much. No, it's not saying realistically, I'd hope that he he was better than like a Cordy Dickerson, frankly, you know, better yeah. than 
uh, what you're getting there. Uh, obviously, he has a lot more power, but that's what I would hope is that he, he's better than somebody like that, which they're pretty similar. They both have the ability to hit home runs, but they both uh, they expand the zone a little bit and they don't walk. And, and that's kind of exactly what Dickerson's issues were. He never walked. And uh, that's what we're seeing with but Dickerson was Dickerson was pretty good, at least for the Rockies for a while. Like he, yeah, he was he, always he's always he been a good major league outfielder and so if jesus sanchez can turn into a Corey dickerson type maybe Corey dickerson in his prime maybe not right now now. i feel like that could be a good player oh what about the ceiling the ceiling what about the ceiling who's a lefty that hits lasers i mean like that's that's, yeah yeah, i don't know but like i I would former marlin as well i would say the ceiling i can't i don't know if i can think of a specific player but i'd be saying like fringe all-star that's what that's what I'd be hoping for out of out of a result from him is a left-handed hitting thirty home run guy that can hit you like two seventy-five. And uh, I don't know if that rings any bells to you on players, but uh, that's what I'm hoping for out of him. And I think that's not out of the realm of possibility. From what I've seen from him, I just really like his swing, and I think that swing plays. But he's just so young. He has so much more time to develop. And the thing with the Marlins is, I feel like they always call up these super super young hitters. And then maybe Marlins fans might expect them to be really good, but it's just, they just need more time. The Marlins yeah. don't have enough depth in their lineup and they're throwing out guys like Magnus Sierra and, and just these super young raw players that if they're not good immediately, I feel like Marlins fans may lose a little bit of hope with them, but yeah. so you're telling Marlins fans, although Jesus Sanchez is young, although he hits about a million ground balls weight on this guy, cause he might be a real staple of the future. Absolutely. I love what I've seen because his bat's so quick that he can literally let the ball travel so quick, hit it out of the catcher's glove. You know, he can make decisions so late and being able to make decisions so late. uh, It just gives you so much more time to decide, do I want to swing or not? So it's more of a mindset for him because he has the ability to make the decisions later than most players have to. And I think that's something that he'll figure out and will work in his favor and having big league hitting coaches and having that, uh, the access to the stuff we'll have access to, I think will help him a lot as he gets the experience and, you know, is surrounded by some veterans and Starling Marte and Jesus Aguilar and guys like that, that can, that can help him. Before we move on to the TikTok questions, did you see Brian Cashman, who is the general manager of the Yankees? He just came out with a quote. Um, it made me really sad. Like it just, it hurt because he said, we suck right now. And you don't hear that kind of language coming out of Cashman's mouth. And he said, it wasn't an Aaron Boone problem. It's not a coaching problem. And he kind of put it all on himself on the roster construction. He's right. I guess he's right. You know, right. I guess it is kind of on him. The entire team is right-handed. We don't really have anyone who can pitch that well, even though our team ERA is fine. But ever since Garrett Cole, you know, with the sticky stuff, he's got a four ERA. Domingo Herman can't pitch. Corey Kluber's hurt. Jameson Tyons is not the answer. Jordan Montgomery is actually okay. What do you think about the Yankees right now? Dude, I uh, – I think that Red Sox series was, too a, mean. was a really important wake-up call. Right, wasn't it? It just felt like that was the series. It was like, hey, this is where you should be, and look at where you are. And that's where – I'm not saying the Yankees can't make the playoffs, right? The Yankees can have one of their months and go crazy. But I would say I that it's more likely that they don't than they do, and that is insane when we're talking about one of the World Series favorites coming into this year. It's just sad. So let's get off the Yankees because I went off on yesterday's pod with Jack McMullen. So let's get into the TikTok questions. Our first question, 
from T Shooter 43 on TikTok, which you can find on our QA button at Just Baseball Fans. Um, who do you believe are the best relievers on the market for a trade before the deadline? And I want to throw five names at you. These are my five. I really like Richard Rodriguez of the Pirates. He's got a 1.78 ERA right now. He has 10 saves. The Pirates are obviously going to sell. This is a guy with a high spin rate fastball. Even though you don't see him really go above 95, it feels like just a thumper. Guys can't really catch up to it. Like It feels like a 100-mile-an-hour fastball. Richard Rodriguez of the Pirates, I think at this point the Brewers aren't selling. I don't think the Indians are selling. So I would see him as the number one reliever on the trade market right now. Breaking into more, I like Taylor Rogers of the Twins. Right now he's sitting at a 2.53 ERA. And Rogers has really been an underrated reliever for a while now with the Twins. I mean, 3.07 career ERA, and he already has seven saves this year. Another one, former starter turned closer and actually doing really well for the Royals. It's Ian Kennedy. Ian Kennedy has a 2.39 ERA and 13 saves. He's pitching fantastic. And then another guy, Michael Fulmer of the Detroit Tigers, another former starter turned reliever, 4.05 ERA. Not great, but he just gave up three runs in his last outing, which kind of boosted that ERA a little bit. It was sitting in the mid threes. And he was six saves. He just hit the IL, so I think he was he was hurt, and that's why he got hit around a little bit in that last one. So I, if he's healthy, sense. maybe he's not the guy to go get. No, but, but I, mean, I still think that Michael healthy. Fulmer exactly could still be that guy that um, guys are definitely getting. And I mean, the Tigers, come on, Tigers, like sell everybody, take you whatever can. you can get, and yeah, I take think whatever Fulmer's you can get. Great, I think you're right. It's just I think that last outing he was hurt a little bit, and that's why he got knocked around. You figure he comes back. I think he only went to the seven or or the ten day IL. And that's a guy that you take whatever the hell you can get. And honestly, if I need a bullpen arm, he's got the ceiling. I mean, the guy won rookie of the year. I, I'd take a chance. One rookie of the year. I mean, probably he's didn't deserve flash- it, but he won rookie of the year. He's shown flashes this year of being a different guy, and I would 100% take a chance on him as, as a back-end bullpen And arm. I also think Michael Fulmer, if you were if you had to make a spot start, he's a guy who can also do that, not just straight bullpen. Like, you're not getting Taylor Rogers in the rotation, but you could realistically put Fulmer in the rotation if needed. It could be like you could be like a three-inning opener, four-inning opener, no problem. And, and that's exactly. valuable with the way players are going down. I, I think the Cubs – I still believe the Cubs are going to sell. I, I really do. Really? I, I really believe that they're going to hit a wall. But even if they don't, they have to consider it. And at the very least, I mean, Craig Kimbrell right now, He's having one of the best seasons of his incredible career. Uh, really? I mean, do you think he's the Hall of Famer? I, I think he is right there. And now that he's having this season, if he does this for a couple more years, two more years of anything in this vicinity, I think he's in. I mean, he's got a 15.43K per nine. Opponents are hitting 098 off of him. He has a 0.59 ERA. And he's striking out 46.4% of batters. He's striking out wow. every other batter. Could you imagine that? Like wow. the guy at the plate and the guy on deck, one of them is striking out every single time. That's I'm just- thinking also, it, between him and Buster Posey, kind of guys who we thought were on the down end of their career and now have had absolutely all-star type seasons, Posey is a better all-time player than Craig Kimbrell. Yeah. But I think when we're talking about Hall of Fame, 
it might be a little bit easier for a Craig Kimbrell to make it than a Buster Posey just because about who they're competing against, all-time numbers, stuff like that, maybe a reliever making it into the Hall of Fame. I feel like both of them, now that they're having this kinds, these kinds of seasons and then moving on into the future, if they keep this kind of stuff up, they could go from fringe Hall of Fame guys to real Hall of Fame guys. I, I think so, 100%. I would have put Posey in if he retired before this year, but that's, would you have put him in already? That's me though. I, I, and I think you make a great point. Like after this year, and then assuming he has two more, even just solid seasons, then I think he's a hall he's of famer. In. He's absolutely in for, for me. He was one of my exceptions to, you know, usually in baseball in the hall of fame, you got to amass a ton of numbers and bulk up yeah. a ton of numbers. It's all about the milestones, right? That's and the I thing. That, it's like, he doesn't have the counting numbers, but to me, he was, he was the, even though he didn't have a, brutal career-ending injury he did have some pretty bad injuries i mean the broken leg uh scott cousins terrible play at home plate so some things like that he had the mvp he had the multiple world series world series MVP. like he was unbelievable at his peak and probably one of the best catchers and the best catcher in baseball for several seasons with the mvp with all those things i look at him almost like i, look, I would look at sandy koufax whose career was shut shut or shortened excuse me where that's he a big comp dominant right he was dominant but his career was cut short. His the stats he amassed were not that great. Um, in terms but of Sandy Koufax in his prime is maybe the best pitcher ever. I don't know if Buster Posey in his, par- no, in his prime no. is reaches that echelon. No, no. But but the point is that his peak was so good that I True. think you have to put him in as a catcher. That's you think Mauer of, makes it. Mauer, I, I think Mauer should be in too. But yeah. people like to slight him because he moved to first earlier. But at his peak, bro, we're talking about. One of the only guys since like Todd Helton, which was at altitude, to actually flirt with 400. Uh, yeah. there's as a catcher. Kind of value As a catcher. you know, And that's the thing. Is as a catcher, too, there's so much value there. Posey's such a good defender. The World Series championships, the MVP. I just think that you have to make those exceptions to certain guys like that. And to me, Posey was one of those icons that uh, embody what you want in a catcher. And I just think that guy has to get in. But you're like you said, he's boosting it every single day now. He's every single day. I mean, well, the like, dude yeah. won't stop hitting. Yeah. 100%. And so my my last reliever, maybe it's a chance for you to talk about the Marlins pen and maybe who they might sell. I got, I see Yimi Garcia as a yeah. guy that the Marlins should definitely sell off. I mean, 2.79 ERA with 12 saves. He's been a really good arm for you guys this year. Do you see him going and then maybe a couple others? Yeah, he's a guy that I think could be gone even if they're playing decent. I, yeah. I think like he he's a good reliever. He's not a closer. And whoever would acquire him would not use him as a closer. So yeah. that's the good thing, right? Like you're getting a guy that you slot into the eighth inning. Look at his numbers last year when he wasn't the closer. Last year, he wasn't the closer. He had a sub one ERA. And I, I just think for him, they say the last three outs are the hardest. He's susceptible to the long ball at times. And you put him in an eighth inning, seventh inning role, he'd be fantastic. And you, you read the numbers. That's a guy that I think should 100% be available if you're the Marlins and should be a, a relatively cheap acquisition compared to some of the other names that we might mention. Uh, we know how expensive Craig Kimbrell is. I think Richard Rodriguez, as you mentioned, would be pretty steep too because he's controllable and he's cheap financially. I love Taylor Rogers, as you mentioned. Uh, and then another guy that I think is is worth a look is Paul Fry. Paul Fry is with the Orioles and he has struck out more than 30% of batters 
And the ERA sits at 3.68, but the XFIP is at 2.87. The FIP is at 2.09. And it seems like he's just been a little bit of a victim of bad luck. He's punching out a ton of guys. I think he's interesting. And the Orioles are going to sell whatever relievers they have. The thing is, is there's so many solid relievers this year. And, and I think that's what we're seeing in baseball is so many guys have been able to figure it out in the bullpen. Even another guy with the Orioles, Cole Sulcer, another pitcher with a 36% K rate and an opponent batting average under the Mendoza line. There's just so many guys that just get outs. It's wild. Uh, so the answer is there's going to be a ton of arms and that might drive down the price or the very elite arms like Craig Kimbrell and some of those other guys like Richard Rodriguez, even I would put in that elite echelon because he somehow throws 92 mile an hour fastballs. By it everybody. It's crazy. It's bizarre. Those bizarre. guys might be extra expensive, but uh, you know, I think it makes sense to maybe pony up a little bit more to get a more established arm. And moving on from some no-name relievers that are actually getting guys out, how about the biggest name in baseball who just refuses to get out? The next question is from Bentham underscore two seven on TikTok. We're talking about Do Kyle you, Schwarber. We're talking Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Oh, I, do you think Vladdy can sustain being an absolutely elite hitter after he brought his chase rate down, his walks up, his barrel rate is up? and his hard hit rate is up. He seems like he kind of did the research right, so for I was saying, I, This is my favorite question because he answers it for us. But I, <laughs> I, I would say Kyle Schwarber because he's obviously Joe DiMaggio now. He refuses to stop hitting home runs. He well, just Kyle, won't stop. Kyle Schwarber's in the Hall of Fame now, I think. He is. Yeah. He already made it. You didn't yeah, hear? He, he's he's, just he's on over Kimbrel and Posey. Yeah, he's just going, dude. He's never going to stop. It's over. He, he's the best of all time. Zach Thompson only got to dominate him. Yeah, he's <laughs> the only guy that can get him out. But no, I mean, it's been amazing what he's doing. I'll, we'll see him hit a wall probably soon, but it's kind of cool. But anyway, to answer your question, uh, I think it was kind of answered already, right? Vladdy's done all of the things that he needed to do. Um, and not to mention he dropped his weight a little bit too. Uh, oh, 40 which, pounds. Yeah, which we don't fat shame at Just Baseball. We don't fat shame. But there are plenty of good fat guys. I, you I'm, see? I'm the heaviest I've ever been, man. Oh, uh, yeah. But, I'm not looking but, good either. David Ortiz? Yeah. He was pretty pretty. Prince drunk. Fielder? But guess what? He said, screw that. I don't want to be in those. I want to be skinny Vlad. And and it really was more about just getting into better shape. It wasn't just about the weight. It was about getting into, you know, just better shape in terms of just your quick twitch movements, your strength, everything. And you can just see it. The bat speed is just on another level. The exit velos are on another level. He's hitting everything. And we talk about it. I've always said, I've been saying Miguel Cabrera, you say Miguel Cabrera. I really think that that's the most accurate comp to this guy because there's nobody that's putting up these kind of power numbers with sub 20% K rates. Uh, no. You just don't see that anymore. You the Tatises don't even do that. The, 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 the guys that are elite, Nobody does that. The Trouts I mean, don't even do that. No. So, you know, we're not saying he's better than Mike Trout, but what he's doing is, is elite and rare and triple crown-esque. And that's the crazy part about Vladdy too, is that he's 22 years old. And he's got plenty of time. He's only going to get better, right? He might break a lot of record. He could break the home run record. He, he theoretically could break. A, I'm going to do the math on that. And that's the crazy thing. So Vladdy Guerrero Jr. Oh, let me give you a hypothetical. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Hits for the triple crown. It's like 340. Hits 45 home runs. Drives in 130 RBIs. 120 RBIs. But Shohei Otani has an ERA under three and hits... 40 home runs, hits 270. Who's your MVP? I think it's team dependent a little bit. If the, if the Angels suck again, 
Like just but Mike Trout's won an MVP when the Angels have sucked too. The Angels always suck. I know, I know. I, I would say that, but the thing is, is Vladdy's numbers at this point would be so ridiculous, and you'd have the Blue Jays presumably in the playoffs, and he's leading the way for them. I know it's a better team, but I think if Shohei is pitching well and even hitting pretty well, two seventy, and he's going to hit thirty plus bombs more than that, probably he might encroach on forty. I, I think you got to give it to the guy that's doing something we've never seen before. And that sucks for Vladdy, but he's going to have to hit like 330, 340 with 35, 40 jacks, I think, to dethrone Shohei, given what we expect him to do on the mound and at the plate. There are four guys who are in the 90th percentile in sprint speed and hard hit rate. Number one is Fernando Tatis Jr. Number two is Ronald Acuna Jr. Three is Tyler O'Neill of the Cardinals. He's a bowling ball. And number four is Shohei Otani, the pitcher. I read that stat yesterday on on yesterday's episode, and it's just because I just simply cannot believe it. I cannot believe – that's the craziest part about Shohei. I mean, you could say that the craziest part is that he hits 450-foot bombs while also throwing 101 miles an hour, but I just cannot comprehend that he's one of the top 20 fastest players in baseball in terms of sprint speed. I just can't comprehend it. It's like like the straw that breaks the camel's back. It's like (laughs) – how how is he also good at that? Is he yeah, like that's not fair. You can't be good at everything. Is he just is he good at the video games? What, he's what probably else the best. He uh, he's probably one of those annoying dudes that's just amazing at everything. I it's hate annoying. people like that. <laughs> just everything. Like oh, I've never done this before, and they just already are better than you. You've been doing it your whole life. He's probably <laughs> a better podcaster than us. He's he's probably such a good podcaster. He's probably can tell a story like nobody's business. But moving on from the major leagues, because we've been talking a lot of major leagues, but you're the prospect guy. I mean, you host, you've been hosting Locked On Prospects now for a while. You're, You're deep into the trenches. So we have to go over another question, and it pertains to the Royals. This is asked by Cooper.gram5. What are your thoughts on Asa Lacey, who just faced your boy Griffin Conine in the minors? And then also the rest of the Royals young pitching staff who we already seen in the major so far. Yeah. So with Lacey, uh, this stuff is, is unbelievable. We're talking really about good, a really good fastball, a nasty breaking ball, like the sweeping slider, a good change up. The problem is all of a sudden he's had this struggle of commanding it all. And yeah. that has really been the bane of his uh, season so far. And, He's struck out a ton of guys. He's walked a ton of guys and he's given up a ton of hits. Uh, and that's, you know, not what you want. I would say no. we talked to Griffin and uh, you like you teased and, and the question it's Griffin said when he's on, he's one of the most unhittable guys in the minors, but the problem is he hasn't been on all the time. And uh, there was some at bats where he executes his pitches and you're like, Holy crap. And then there's some where he falls behind. You can sit on that fastball and, and you can hit him. And Griff went yard off of him oppo, uh, but then he struck him out in, in another at bat. So, it's one of those where if he's able to harness his stuff, which unfortunately there's a lot of guys that are in that boat, uh, then he's going to be as good as anybody. But he seems to really be struggling to harness his stuff. And I did think that that was something that was not discussed enough. You look at his college stats, he was walking almost a batter every other inning. And nobody really said, oh, there might be some command issues. It was always just like he's polished and ready to go. And that's clearly not the case. And the, to take that a step further, the Royals, we talk about the Marlins having a poor track record developing hitters. The Royals are struggling with developing their arms, especially, True. and I think part of it is who they're going after. And then part of it is their development because 
They go after stuff. Like the Marlins go after tools with hitters. The, the Royals go after stuff. And you look at a bunch of their top prospects with Daniel Lynch, Brady Singer. Uh, you, you look at Jackson Coar, and now Asa Lacey. And now Alec Marsh, even, who's a guy that I think Boobich. is – I think Abubich. I think Alec Marsh is going to be the best of, of all of them potentially, which is the crazy, really, which is the crazy thing. And I really like Brady Singer, but I know. think Brady Singer is going to figure it out too. Yeah, I think so. all of these guys they don't develop the third pitch. They're still trying to harness their their main two pitches. And you're thinking, why can't all of these guys? Why do they all have the same problem? And it seems like it's a Royals development issue, and it seems like it's a little bit of the guys that they're targeting and it's worth paying attention to. Look at how Daniel Lynch did in his big league debut. Look at Not how Lubich did in his debut. Look at how Kowar did in his debut. Not good. These guys, these guys are all way too talented to perform the way they were. And I think that the Royals have to look in the mirror. I agree. Cause if you're a Royals fan, you probably are hearing all this stuff about, Oh, we got five horses just ready to go. You know, our offense is getting loaded up. The Royals are going to be very great. I, we picked them as a as a fact at the beginning of the season, and now it's kind of like, can we find one starter to be really good rather than all five? Yeah, they've just got emerging ace Danny Duffy. Yeah, they got emerging ace Danny Duffy. I, that was the funniest quote, I think, that we've had on the podcast. I called Danny Duffy an emerging ace because of how good he was at the beginning of the year because I saw what he was doing. And I've always been on Danny Duffy knowing that he had the stuff. So I was like, he's an emerging ace. He's coming. And then Jack McPullen goes, wait, he's like 32, 33. I don't know if he's emerging anymore. He's emerging. I kind of thought to myself, I was like, wow, I've been really rooting for Danny Duffy now for like eight years. He's one of those guys, bro. He's one of those guys where you're like, oh, he's going to figure it out. He's going to figure it out. He's going to figure it out. And then you're like, oh, shit, he's 32. And I just never thought to look at his age because I always thought he was 27 for the past four years. And that's on my and that's on me. Yeah. Well, let's hope he gets back healthy. I, I've always liked Duffy too, but he's a good lefty. But breaking into which these next two questions I'm so excited about because they're just so freaking fun. Can you predict the top five teams in 2023? In two years, who are the top five teams? I think that's such a fun question, and it's so damn hard. So hard. <laughs> that I want to just talk about it because yeah, we've been I, all over the Mariners. You know, with that outfield, you got Kyle Lewis, you got Julio Rodriguez should be up by then, and then you got Jared Kelnick. I mean, you could make the argument you got three all-stars in the outfield, and then if Ty France keeps hitting like he is, J.P. Crawford looks improved as well, and maybe you get some pitching, and that's a real team. I don't know if the Mariners will be top five but i think you have to put the white socks in there i mean they're still young they're loaded i mean their best pitchers even i mean lance lynn has really been their best pitcher this year lucas Giolito's still young michael kopech's awesome carlos rodon dylan cease and then you move on to the padres are still probably going to be really good the dodgers those are the teams i'm thinking of who's your top five yeah, I think you you have to start the list with the Dodgers and the Padres. Even though they're already the best now, which is they're already the best. Yeah, it's a little bit of a cop-out. I really believe in the Mariners just because they their system is, is the best in baseball, and they have it from top to bottom. You mentioned the outfielders. Those guys are already close to big league ready. So they're in the next five years, if we have a five-year window for this to come to fruition, we know that Kyle Lewis is already up. I have my concerns about his knee. He keeps having yeah. re- recurring injuries to that knee. I think he moves to a corner. Uh, hopefully, 
then you're going to have to figure out can Kellenic man center. That's going to be interesting. But you look at that outfield, that's the potential to be one of the best young outfields in baseball and yeah. one of the best outfields, period. And all of those guys will have several years under their belt in the next five years. Then you have, like you said, J.P. Crawford's much improved. Noel V. Marte is one of my favorite prospects in baseball, top 30 prospect for me right now. Uh, going to be shooting up our top 100 list when I put that out after the draft. He's going to be up in the next five years, even though he's pretty far away. And then how about the pitching? Logan Gilbert is up there. You have George Kirby, who's going to be up there. You have Emerson Hancock, who's going to be up there. Like, come on, man. This is some crazy stuff. And they've got a bunch of other prospects. Brandon Williamson, lefty pitching prospect that I really like. There's so many dudes, and we're not – Cal Raleigh, their catching prospect, has been out of this world. Switch hitting, hitting for power, not striking out good defender. He's really put it together. He's going to be up by the end of this year too. They have it all. And they, I think they're going to follow a similar path to the white Sox in terms of, I don't think they'll spend like the white Sox did, but just that system translating into success. They have too many guys for it to not translate into success. And a lot of these guys are high floor. Kelnick, Julio. I consider those guys pretty high floor. Uh, Same with Kirby. I think he's high floor. Uh, There's a lot of guys that you feel like have a good chance to pan out. And then you still have those high ceiling guys as well. I don't see how the Mariners are in a top five team in in the next few years. But, you know, a lot can happen. So go through your top five. I want to hear it. I want to hear it kind of in order. If you got your five teams, because we talked about a bunch of guys, but let's narrow it down. My five, I got the Dodgers. I got the Padres. I got the White Sox. I still will just always believe in the Rays. And then I have the Mariners. Those would be my top five. Who's your top five? Yeah, I'm having a hard time disagreeing with that list, honestly. I'm going to go, but this this might – uh, this might be, I got to be a little different, right? So I'm going to go Dodgers. I'm going to go Padres because they just got CJ Abrams chilling in the minors. Yeah. yeah just BS and also hassle uh, and Gore. I mean, you assume he's going to figure it out or at least close to it. So I'll go with them. Then you have the Blue Jays, in my opinion. I just think they're too talented, and they have a lot of talent in the minor leagues coming up as well. Uh, Whether you believe in Austin Martin and Jordan Groshans, I don't necessarily, but you can get a lot of value for those guys. We'll see who they acquire. Simeon Woods-Richardson's been amazing. Alec Manoa is really impressive. Gabriel Moreno is is one of the best hitters in the minor leagues right now as a catching prospect. They have like four legitimate viable, young controllable catchers. You're going to trade a couple of those and they're going to be able to put together gotta get a, starting a, pitching. a ridiculous team. Yes. That's the missing part. And I think they'll be able to do it. Nate Pearson, you'd hope would figure it out as well. So I'm going to put the blue Jays in there. I'm going to be a little bit different, but then other than that, I, I, it's going to be Dodgers, Padres, blue Jays, Mariners. And then who am I leaving out here? Who'd you have that I left out? White Sox. I White Rays. Sox. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna fade the White Sox. Fade I'm gonna them. go I Rays. Like I'm gonna go Rays over the White Sox because the White Sox. Don't get me wrong; they could be great. But if I want to be different than you, I can at least come up with a an argument against the White Sox being that 
you got Eloy Jimenez with a pretty serious injury. You hope that he comes back to full strength. I hope he's Robert he with a pretty serious so injury. Power. Nick Madrigal with a pretty serious injury. Uh, we'll, we'll see how those guys come back. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming they're all going to be just fine. Lucas Giolito has not looked like the dominant guy that he was before. What if he doesn't quite get to that level again? What if he's, you know, a step down from that? Uh, Garrett Crochet looks like he's stuck in the bullpen. Michael Kopik has not really been stretched out as a full, full, full-time starter. He seems to just be in and out. There's some questions there uh, that you could you could draw. Jose Abreu's getting old. Tim Anderson's not getting any younger. He's probably going to have to move from short eventually. He's not the best defender. There's some questions there. I think it's more likely that they are than they aren't, but I think you could draw some hesitation around the White Sox more than any other than any of those other teams. Well, Lucas Giolito, I'm betting on him tonight. I have under, and we're recording on a Tuesday night, releasing on Wednesday. I have Lucas Giolito against Kenta Maeda tonight. I have under eight and a half runs. So if you look at this at the um, at the scores tomorrow and notice that it went over eight and a half runs, just know that I'm unhappy. And if it goes under eight and a half runs, I'll be much more cheery. Breaking into the last question on the TikTok mailbag, this is actually my favorite question to ask in the world now that Wander Franco has officially graduated. So now. With Wander Franco on the Rays, he's not a prospect anymore. Get him out of here. Yeah. We're, we're, Who is your number? We're big proponents of that, right? We're no big more, proponents of that. No more of this. This guy's been in the bigs, then down and up, down like four times, and he's still a prospect. And like, he's still a prospect. No, once he plays in the major leagues, he's not a prospect anymore. Like yeah. we we have guys who are vying for in their second year, and we see them like Randy Rosarina was on prospect lists at the beginning of the year after he just had an amazing playoff run, probably one of the greatest playoff runs we've ever seen from a hitter. And he's still ranked like 23rd on prospect lists. And we're like, what else do you have to do to move up? Yeah. I, I didn't even understand that too, because it was, it was like, what's the, how are we what, comparing? How are yeah, we what are we doing here? So we're comparing Randy Rosarena who just played in the major league world series. So like a 19 year old catcher. Yeah. <laughs> Like, it makes How does no that sense. make any sense? I know. I'm sorry. I cut off your question, but I, I had, no, I we had to say it. Point. It's like, it's weird as hell. I don't like it. I don't like how I see. I look at a prospect ranking after, um, after a while. And I see big leaguers. Like I saw Dylan Carlson on ranks. I saw Alex Kirloff of the Minnesota twins on ranks. No, Spencer like, Howard's the craziest one to me. Spencer Howard. Down. I feel like he's like 27 years old, been the league for three years and he's on prospect rankings. It, it blows my mind. It blows my mind. But you know what blows my mind? the number one prospect in baseball. Now that Wander Franco has graduated, no more list for Wander, no more number one for him. Now he's a big leaguer. So who is the number one guy in your mind? Yeah. I, I love this question too, because you know, there's, there's going to be an interesting debate I think to be had as to who could be the number one. In my opinion, there's a lot of really talented guys that could get some, some attention for it, but far and away, I think the best prospect in baseball right now because he does everything is Adley Rutschman. Adley Rutschman is as good of a catcher as you're ever going to find. He does it all. He is a great defender. I'm one of the best defenders in the minor leagues behind the dish. He's a switch hitter that can hit for average, hit for power. He's walked more than he struck out, and he's hit 11 home runs in double A. He has a 400 on base percentage from both sides of the plate, a 156 WRC+. plus. He gets big marks for his leadership, his game calling behind the dish. Like, What else do you want from a catcher? Switch hitter, hits for power, does everything. And he's the only guy in double A 
to strike out less than 20%, walk more than 15% of the time, and hit more than 10 home runs. It sounds oddly specific, but it's three very hard stats to attain. And doing all three of them is just absurd. I know it sounds like a cherry pick stat, but the reason why I cherry pick it is because I thought it was impossible to do. My my number one prospect is also Adley Rutschman, followed very closely at this point with Julio Rodriguez. Honestly, yes. I just think he is a freak of nature. He just got the nod to double A. Of course he did. He's so freaking good. And and if we're talking about top prospects, a top prospect for the Orioles, another catcher, not a top prospect anymore, out of the league at this point. Matt Weeders yeah. is a guy that I've heard some of those kind of comparisons. And I just want to tell those people to shut up. Yeah. But Matt Weeders <laughs> yeah. was such a was such a top prospect for the Orioles. Same catcher, kind of same kind of thing. Really hit well in the minors. Good defender. Why is Adley going to work out when maybe a Matt Weeders? Not that he had a bad career, but I wouldn't say that he developed into this, you know, multi-time amazing all-star type player that we think Adley might. You know, you could you could make that case. And Matt Weeders ended up not being very good, right? He, he, but at the end of the day, he still was a four-time all-star. Yeah. So it's like relatively not good. As, as Right? It just didn't feel like he had a good career, even though he might have had a good career. Like he made four all-star games. So it was – and again, I, I would want more from Adley Rutschman. But if if Adley Rutschman becomes Matt Wieters, you're disappointed. Yeah, but is he a bust? No, not a boss. I would just hope he turns out better than him. But the reason why I think he's going to be better than Matt Wieters is that I think he's much more athletic. And I'm a big proponent now in the athletic catcher. Not that any catcher isn't athletic, but just way more agile. Look at JT Real Muto. Now in the younger side, look at Dylan Dingler. Yeah. I think that's the type of guys that we're going to see uh, a lot of teams going after. Gabriel Moreno, who I always talk about, but he has been phenomenal. He's an athletic catcher. Those are the guys that I really think are the future of the catching position. Adley was a football player and he kicked even at Oregon State. So he kicked his freshman year of college. He, he's got a lot more, I think, athleticism than Matt Wieters did. And he can move a bit better. He's not six foot five. And I think that was a big part of Weeder's issue too, is you're pushing it at six foot five as a catcher. And then as he was able to make it work, but as you age, that height and those long levers behind the dish just become more and more intrusive. And that's why he fell off so dramatically. I don't think it was about him never being that good because he made back-to-back all-star games and then didn't make it for a year, then made another one the year after that. So he made three out of four all-star games. It's just, he hit a wall after that year. So the way I look at it is he's, his body just couldn't keep up. And I really think, think it was more of that. And while he didn't have the peak that maybe we thought he would, I think that, Adley will be able to sustain, even if he doesn't reach the ceiling, if he reaches a Matt Weider ceiling, he'll sustain it longer and it won't feel like a Matt Weider's career trajectory, if that makes sense. And Arm, I love doing the pod with you because I know that if we really wanted to get into it, we only had five questions from the TikTok that we picked but we could really do a two-hour episode on five questions. Um, So we even had to shorten it a little bit too. So just thank you so much for coming on. We're going to obviously do this again. And um, go follow us on Twitter at JustBBMedia. Go check out the website, JustBaseball.com. That's Layton 8 on Twitter. I'm at PeterApple23. Do you have any words? 
Yeah, follow follow, I need followers on Twitter, people. We have almost we have sixty thousand followers on TikTok, and I'm sitting here at one sixty, and Arms got over two thousand and verified, and I just feel like a loser. So, so if you don't want me to feel like a loser, go follow me on Twitter. If you actually enjoy me being a loser, yeah, probably don't follow me on Twitter. But I, I really, I help yourself. Is it weird that I beg my podcast audience? I, I, I beg the people who support us just to follow me on Twitter. I think you disincentivize them by saying like, oh, you want to make me look good? And <laughs> like, no, I didn't like where you put Nolan Arenado on good... the top 10 third baseman. You're screwed. Um, know, but also for me. super funny is that Soledad O'Brien, who you guys smashed that interview with. And if you didn't listen to that yet, go back and listen to that because it's not just your regular interview. Soledad was great. And also it's so much interesting information on. So interesting. Dance. But Soledad O'Brien retweeted you, quoted you and tagged you. And she has I a million get, followers. And you didn't I didn't get, get Okay, listen to this. One million people said, screw Peter Apple. I'm not following him. Soledad O'Brien, correspondent for Real Sports with Brian Gumbel, CNN. She has 1.3 million Twitter followers. She literally put a tweet out with my name. And I lost one follower. <laughs> I didn't even gain one. I lost one follower. I don't know who. I don't know who um, that follower is. Just like no. screw this guy, he just got. He just got <laughs> and it's like, and, and it's funny. when I when I put out tweets that I get four likes, I'm like, holy shit, that kind of went viral. Yeah, that's a gentleman's <laughs> viral. And we have Michael Schwimmer coming on Friday. Jack and I will be interviewing him, kind of part two of Big League Advance. We talked to the expert reporter, and now we're going to talk to the creator because, I mean, this is really just changing the landscape of minor leagues. I mean, before we go, just talk a little bit about what you've seen with MLB. They just don't pay their minor leaguers. Nope. And they don't provide housing and you got to pay for your own housing and your own hotel. And you have to, how can you find housing if you're getting moved up? they're not like you have to sign a lease, right? Like it's just so ridiculous that these teams don't invest in a dorm complex and I know. let their, it's not that expensive. You can it's not do expensive. It. You can handle Especially it. Cause these minor league teams are in like the depths of Wisconsin where yes. the rent is eight bucks a month. So to me, that's a joke and it, it's really a shame. And I, and I hope that baseball gets to a point where they can figure that out. And I hope that they can be held accountable enough to where they have no choice. I can promise you we're going to be writing some stories on that. Oh, yeah. And I can promise you that Michael Schwimmer is going to have some some good insight on you know why they came up with this idea and why he thinks it's beneficial to these guys. And I, I really having friends now in the minors and just watching them go through it. They're fortunate where they were able to get some signing bonuses up front. But even the life that they have to live they acknowledge like if I didn't have this signing bonus, man, like life would be really hard. I'd have to make yeah. a decision between supporting myself and pursuing my dream. And when you're one of the best baseball players in the world and you have to be, to be a professional, no matter what level uh, you shouldn't have to make that decision at 23 years old. Uh, but you know, it is what it is and baseball makes itself undesirable. And that's why you'll lose the Kyler Murray's and some of those guys uh, until you make the minor leagues a relatively viable opportunity for people. And you and I have just been running around so much creating this company. We've been so busy. So what I want to do right now, we're going to start doing the TikTok mailbag every Wednesday. So on Tuesday, you guys can check Jack and I. We do a lot of rankings. We do a lot of stuff that we put on TikTok. Then on Wednesday, we want to do the TikTok mailbag. It's going to be Arm and I shooting the shit. And on Friday, again, it'll be Jack and I. And then on Sunday, you'll see Arm and Jack. So we have a full week of episodes, full week of baseball. Make this your one-stop shop. 
We'll be covering MLB, college, fantasy, the minor leagues, gambling, and of course the trading card market. Go check out justbaseball.com and follow us on Twitter at justbbmedia. And Peter Apple. Follow Peter Apple. And me, Peter Apple 23, spelled A-P-P-E-L, not like the fruit. So thank you so much, everybody. And we'll see you later. Thank you, everybody. (laughs) All right.